When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello, and welcome back. To another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm Antonio Barbera. It's been a few weeks. Uh, we took a little hiatus. Just a couple of things have happened in the NFL, in the world, with sports, with health, with our lives. Just, just a couple of things that we are going to dive into over what is sure to be one of our longest episodes ever. Let's uh, want to reach out to who else is on the line because for this coronavirus-themed episode for the first time. All three of us are in separate locations. Let's start with Tim. Tim, you're not so far away, but you're so far away over there in the other side of D.C. How's it going? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not necessarily a fan of this, looking at you through a computer screen rather than right next to you. I- I'm good. Uh, I got back into the country right under the wire, it seems like. You know, 48 hours later, I probably would have still been in London right now, not being allowed back in. Um, Things have changed, certainly. We don't need to go into it too much. I think everybody knows there are no sports on television, unfortunately. Um, You know, selfishly, I think that's our biggest problem. But overall, I'm doing very well, and we have uh, plenty of stuff to talk about, which is great. And joining us from the West Coast, as always, this is the same, but it's still a bit different with it being a one-on-one-on-one conversation. Jace Thomas Evans, how are you doing over there in, in Los Angeles? I'm doing okay, but uh, we're just diving right in. What's bothering me? I am concerned. Right into <laughs> it. Right things. into it. <laughs> I just broke my pen thinking about it. Uh, this coronavirus situation is, as Tim mentioned, unlike I think anything we certainly we've ever seen. Uh, probably the world, unless you're you know 120 years old and lived through the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Uh, <laughs> um, it's very strange and surreal and like 
Sports basically got canceled within 48 hours last week. Uh, if you're not aware, there are no live sports on, which uh, for Tim and I who work in sports is a fascinating um, situation. <laughs> uh, it's been surreal and I it's been very strange, but, you know, glad to do this show. The NFL, of course, never uh, stops for no one. So glad to get back into the show, a little sense of normalcy and just talk about uh, some very, very eventful uh Ravens news and um, some quarterback, uh, you know, movement of little note. We'll get to momentarily. <laughs> we had, uh, but yeah, <laughs> we had a few weeks there where it seemed like we had very little hard news to talk about. We started getting into Bradley Bozeman's diet and how much of a <laughs> how big of a steak he could eat. So that was the level of the conversation that we were having like three weeks ago, seemingly. Got a couple of things to go over, a couple of personnel things uh, to go over. So we're going to start with all the Ravens news first, and then we're going to pivot to some just tiny NFL notes. Let's start with the Ravens. We're going to try to go roughly in order as these things occurred uh, for the most part. So let's start with, uh, I suppose, the the saddest note uh, for the Ravens, and that is the somewhat, not, not a surprise, but somewhat sudden retirement of Marshall Yonda. The eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, 13 years, all as a Raven Super Bowl champ, leaves a gaping hole now in the offensive line. Tim, what are your thoughts on, on that yonder retirement? It's sad. Um, you can't really fault the guy when he's done so much for the organization. A first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, some great stories came out afterwards, one that I did not know or maybe was put in the back part of my memory bank uh, about getting shot with a taser and taking it like a man uh, in Marshall Yonda. You know, I think that he is one of those guys that should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but because he it was a guard and, you know, didn't really make a lot of noise in his NFL career, um, he just kind of quietly went about his dominant business. It might not be a guy who we see reach Canton, unfortunately, but I think Ravens fans will always appreciate what an absolute stud Marshall Yonda was across the offensive line. Um, toughness personified, a guy who was consistent, um, was mean, which is what you need in the trenches there. A guy who multiple times contracts came up for guards who people might have thought been better and or younger. Ben Grubbs, Kalechia Semele. Uh, two of them, the the two most notable cases. And the Ravens instead stuck with Yonda. Now, Grubbs and him were around the same age. Assembly was way younger after the Super Bowl year, a couple years after the Super Bowl year. Apologies, I don't know the exact date. When both of their contracts were up, and the Ravens knew what they had. They knew they had a leader. They knew they had a man who could protect the quarterback, open up ginormous holes for whatever running back was back in the backfield. Um... An incredible career. The Ravens social media team, you have to go back a little bit now because obviously we haven't been on the air for a while, um, has done a great job to show, you know, they've done some video packages of him. They're tear-jerking stuff if if you're one like me who gets way too emotional about sports and the players that you've uh, idolized. But a guy who is immediately at the top of the list of a long list, I would say, of soon-to-be Ring of Honor members at M&T Bank Stadium just an absolutely incredible career for Marshall Yonda. And 
as we'll talk about, Jason, I'm sure, and then I'll throw it to you, leaves a lot of questions on the offensive <laughs> line now that the uh, one of the best players in the league is gone. Yeah, and for me, I think you you nailed it, but I'll just add, he is, I believe, one of the more underrated players, period, kind of, in Ravens history. Uh, Pro Football Reference has their approximate value rankings, and, you know, the top four, exactly who you think, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, Jonathan Ogden, Flacco fifth, because the value of quarterbacks, and then Yonda, one spot behind Haloti Nada, and so, you know, those are, you run through those names, and they're all the most important players in franchise history, and Yonda's among them, and I... I don't know that you instantly could, like you said, he was quiet uh, outwardly to the media, um, kind of unassuming, but just went about his job. And you mentioned all the stories too, uh, Tim, and um, just the the one I f- kind of forgot about, but he switches positions for basically a whole season because he tears, uh, he played left guard. I believe that was uh, 2016. He tears something in his arm and... Uh, or injures his arm and then switches to play left guard because uh, he can still use his uh, the other point stance like and played like the whole season that way. It was incredible. And he was just, uh, a, you know, a monster. He was one of the best. And like you said, it's hard for guards to get in. You know, Alan Fanica, I think, has even like more all pro appearances and he's not in yet. So Marshall might have to wait. I do think he will get in the Hall of Fame. He seems to have, um, you know, the respect and admiration of pretty much all his peers. I mean, J.J. Watt, I think, called him like one of the toughest players he's ever played against. So, um, to yeah, to echo your other questions, this is a um, a big hole, one I think they need to address. And I think one they might, based on some of the moves they have made on the defensive side of the ball, which we'll get into uh here momentarily but yeah i think uh, like you said there's nothing he could have else he could have given to he gave his all to the the 13 years and all the injuries and stuff and you know it this season didn't end great or in the playoffs but you know it was a great season to go out on one of the and he clearly had fun in it so good for him and i'm happy for him and i want to emphasize this real quickly just an off the field thing because if you're listening to this podcast May, I mean, maybe you don't know a ton about the Ravens. Maybe you're trying to learn. Go back and just watch some Marshall Yonda. If you really like some offensive <laughs> line play, getting in the trenches, watch that guy go. The taser story, I kid you not, is one of the best things I've ever seen in, in or heard, excuse me, <laughs> with a the machismo that you get in an NFL locker room, something certainly none of us have ever experienced, but you hear stories by consuming sports media so much. What he did as a rookie to kind of prove himself in the locker room, but at the same time took it as a, oh, this is fine. This is not, this is not a real taser. I've taken real tasers before. On the farm, I've been shocked by the fence multiple times <laughs> while I've been uh, working with hay bales. Like, the, the story, you have to go back and look. I'm not going to do it justice, so I won't tell it here. Um, and I'll give the Baltimore Ravens media team some plug because they've been doing a great job. Just search it on YouTube. Search it at anywhere online and you'll find it. But um, a remarkable story that, again, shows the toughness of this guy who has was maybe the most important player on the Ravens offense for the last 10 to 12 years consistently. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's something that you can't say lightly. Jace, you talk about how he was an underrated player. I think he was for a long time. I think in the last year or two, he's gotten a lot of press 
from places like Robert Mays talks about him on the ringer all the time. <laughs> Bill Barnwell's talked about him in the last year or so uh, on ESPN. I think that's going to help his Pro Bowl case. I think he's going to have more success uh, than some of those other names you mentioned as guards just because his name sort of in the last few years came up a lot more often than I think normally you would hear from a guard. So I, I do see him uh, getting to the Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. The only thing I'll add to this is I get, you know, we all understand the timing. He was a veteran. He's been in the league 13 years. But for me as a fan, it's like the, the one of the worst time he could have left. We had a crushing playoff <laughs> loss. We have this team that has so few pieces now that needed to really be tweaked and replaced. This could have been a just run it back in the NFL. This happens a lot. You have a really good core team. You just need to go through it a few times in a row, and eventually that unit will get to the Super Bowl. You know, the ball breaks a few different ways, and you win certain playoff games, and you end up in the Super Bowl finally. That's what happened with the Ravens, you know, seven seven years ago. So it's a, you know, it opens up a whole other role now that we need to replace. Uh, I would have loved one more year, but I guess then a year from now I would have said I wanted another year. So good on you, <laughs> Marshall Yonda. You know, forever a Raven. Uh, let's move on now to the defensive side where a couple of things also happened over there. Let's <laughs> go <a> through <laughs> this one quickly because we have, we have a couple of other big uh, acquisitions to go through, but a player that for, the, for now we're going to keep, and that was Matthew Judon. He was franchised, uh, boy, like a week ago now, I think, 10 days ago, could, could be anything. We all sort of expected the franchise tag. Now the question is whether that's going to turn into a trade. Uh, but for now, it's a move to to sort of keep Judon on the team one more year. You guys, Jason, start with you. Your thoughts on on the Judon move? Uh, I'm fine with it. Um, they got him at outside linebacker rather than pass rusher, so his um, franchise tender is a little lower. I believe it's around the 15, a little under 16 million. Um, so, you know, I think we, as I, I think we, when we first talked about it, I would have said I was going to go back and forth on this a million times. And I think I'm back on. I think it's good to just, you know, franchise them, figure it out. Uh, you know, as you said, possibility to trade still there. But yeah, I think I am good with the decision. Yeah, I mean, it gives them flexibility. One outside linebacker. He's not going to be happy about that. Matthew Judon <laughs> loves subtweeting his employer, which is always a good move in any, in any company, <laughs> in any line of work, which is great. But um the outside linebacker thing helps them with cap space right now. And a, a quick move we'll talk about as well. Brandon Carr, uh, the option is not being picked up, which has freed up $6 million in cap space for the Ravens to help with some of these other moves we'll discuss in just a second. They're still kind of up against it. Um, I think this is best case scenario for them. He's, I don't think Judon is a guy. Who knows? I would like to see Judon is not a guy who would really hold out or anything because of the franchise tag. I think he knew this was coming in some sort of way, especially given uh, the monetary issues, I guess, that the Ravens have right now. Um, but, I mean, this is, again, this is a perfect scenario for them. They can have him for one more year, and then if he balls out, quote-unquote, they could sign him to a long-term deal, or they could use that to, to trade him, or he goes and makes his money in free agency, or... In this market, they could trade him as well. Who knows? Um, the the latest reports of the Seahawks are interested. They have just re-signed Bruce Irvin at the time of recording as well, so maybe they're not necessarily in 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 line for another pass rusher. But yet, Eric DaCosta, as we will talk about here in a second, 
always keeps his options open, loves hoarding draft picks. So if the right offer comes, if they can get an early second, a late first, or a third and a fourth, or something that they think matches the value of Matthew Judon, the option is there. But but the, the reason the franchise tag is the perfect scenario for them is because they're not locked into any sort of thing with a guy that, you know, in my opinion, I, I thought had a great year last year, proved proved me wrong personally, but I'm still a little bit on the fence about in terms of being your number one bona fide Terrell Suggs level pass rusher. Tim, I think you're exactly right with that in terms of options. If we could go into the head of Eric DaCosta right now and ask the question, are you going to trade Judon? He, I think he would say, I don't know. I don't know at this point. I'm going to hold this player. I'm going to go to the draft. I think that's going to have a big impact on how motivated maybe they are to trade him based on the players they acquire and how much they love the players that they acquire through the draft. And then they're just going to listen. I think throughout the, you know, the rest of the spring into the summer, they're going to have their ears open. Uh, and if there's nothing that they absolutely love, Judon for one more year is going to be a, you know the plug-and-play starter uh, on the defensive line couple other guys that are going to be <laughs> playing on the defensive line for the Ravens next season. Uh, we'll start with the first. So these two deals sort of happened one after the other. And in our text thread, it sort of was like a, uh, oh, that's a good move. Oh, that's a good move. <laughs> Let's start with the first one. Clayus Campbell traded to the Ravens. In what was the second biggest steal of the week of the day of the last two days, he is going to immediately fill so many roles on this Ravens defensive line. Tim, uh, you got some stuff in all caps. You got some stuff in bold <laughs> here on our notes. I'm just going just gonna to turn it to Tim Horsey here. The opposite of what's bothering Jace, what has Tim excited this week? What got me excited is the Ravens got beefy. They got beefy on the defensive line, my friends. Unfortunately, it seems like Michael Pierce. I'll get the bad news out of the way first. Michael Pierce, who had a little bit of a down year. In a, in a contract year, which is not great for him. Seems like he's on his way out. That means we just got to bring in Calais Campbell, one of the most dominant pieces on the defensive line, sitting there at 6'8", uh, 350, I believe. Oh, no, excuse me. Let, me. let me get these out real quick. Brandon Williams, already on the team. 6'1", 335. Calais Campbell, 6'8", 300 pounds. And a guy we'll talk about in a second as well, Michael Brockers. Spoiler alert. 6'5", 305. That is your new front three for the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens with Chris Wormley in there in the middle as well. If we're going to just focus on Campbell just for a second, the quintessential Baltimore Raven that should have been a Raven for a while. <laughs> Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, Eric Weddle, Calais Campbell. This guy has been one of those dudes who every time you watch him, you're like, man, just, just the purple and black. Just in the purple and black would be great. Now, when you ask a guy like this, so, so dominant, a number of awards. Let me just throw some stats at you. 31 sacks, 31 and a half sacks over the last three seasons. Seventh most in the NFL uh, in that span across pass rushers, defensive linemen, linebackers, corners, you name it. Seventh most in the NFL over the last three years. Uh, he's got durability, versatility. He can go in the ed- He can be on the edge if you need to. He can be in the middle in pass rushing situations. You know Wink's going to send the house and put him and Brockers in the middle. Can't wait for that. And over the last five years, he's top 10 in snaps, tackles, sacks, and defensive touchdowns among defensive linemen. If you're not excited yet, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but here's, here's, here, here we go. Maybe we'll add a little bit to you. The Ravens had a backup kicker in training camp. 
backup kicker to the greatest kicker of all time. Everybody and their brother knows what they're going to do with this guy. Bring him into camp. Make sure Tucker doesn't get hurt. You need somebody to kick the field goals in preseason. It ain't going to be Jay Tuck. He doesn't need that work. (laughs) They trade that man to the Minnesota Vikings for a fifth-round pick. He gets cut by the Vikings, signed by the Jets, loses them a game on week one. He gets cut. You never see him again. Eric DaCosta making moves, run EDC, still has that fifth-round pick, who is now Calais Campbell. The Ravens have added a significant piece across their defensive line, something that they were desperate for, something that they desperately needed, and it cost them a terrible kicker. <laughs> I mean, is he already better than Ozzie Newsom? I don't know, but he's getting close. <laughs> he's getting close. I am so excited about this move. You know me. I love the guys in the trenches. I think Campbell and Brockers, who we'll talk about in a second as well, are perfect for that 3-4 scheme. They're both bigger five technique defensive end guys Brandon Williams will move inside the kind of the role that Michael Pierce has been playing the last couple of years um it's just overall a fantastic move for this defense and one that I think was sorely needed I think Ryan or Ryan Wormley shouts out to him Chris Wormley (laughs) has been a good piece across the defensive line somebody as a permanent starter I was a little bit lower on so to add him to now push him into kind of a rotation slot to take over for any of these three guys on long drives or pass rushing situations. It's it's beautiful, my friends. Yeah, I, I think it's perfect. The only concern I guess you have with Campbell, he'll be 34 when the season starts. Um, but mitigating that is, as Tim, you said, those 31 and a half sacks have all come in his age 30 seasons. So he's durable to this point. Um, you know, maybe the sacks aren't quite double digit, but he, as you said, he desperately fills a, just a position of need. And we talked about the need to have a guy who can get home and get sacks. That's what Calais Campbell does. I love, he's a monster. He's one of the tallest players in the national football league. He's huge. I love it. I think it's probably, and for a fifth round pick, it's astounding. It's astounding quality for a choice that you're like, Hopefully this guy can play special teams. Yeah, well, and you think about this too. So you, you talk about getting after the, the quarterback, right? Wink Martindale rushes the passer more than anybody in the league, like significantly more. We know this. We've debated whether it's a scheme thing or a necessity thing, whatever, whatever that matter is. In a 3-4 defense, your, your three big guys up front aren't necessarily your pass rushers. But even with that being said, the Ravens' defensive line recorded a league-low four sacks in 2019 – And what's worse, they ranked 20th in the NFL last season and giving up 4.4 yards per carry. For a defense that was so lauded as this this defense that had the Marcus Peters trade, they've now become one of the best in the NFL. They still had trouble stopping the run. Now you have Brandon Williams, Michael Brockers, and Calais Campbell taking up three of your five or four of your five or five of your five defense or offensive linemen, excuse me, because they need to be double teamed. I think it's... A match made in heaven for this Ravens team. This defense that has been building out of the back with a, with a dominant secondary now adds that sort of force up front as well to kind of match what you had in the back end. There were a lot of jokes made on Twitter that the Ravens were trying to compile a defensive line that could weigh as much as a blue whale so that they could stop Derrick Henry the next Good. time Good. They, they ran Good. into him in the playoff. There's something to be said about that, but no, you guys have all said it. It's an unbelievable fit. It came from a team, I mean, this this is going to be end up being one of the themes of this episode as we get into the NFL stuff. 
as uh, for the league. In the NFL, you have some teams that are desperate. You have some teams that are aggressive. And then you have other teams that just sort of play. They ride the waves of these transactions, basically. The Jaguars were in a position where they were trying to shed. They're in a rebuild mode, basically. They fired Tom Coughlin as a GM. Uh, they, you know, they moved on from a team that had gone to the AFC Championship game two seasons ago to now it's almost a full rebuild, and they're starting to trade all of their defensive stars. And because of that, the Ravens were just there, ready to take a perfect <laughs> fit at an unbelievably low cost. Jace, your point is well taken about his age. That's, that's essentially the only potential negative here, but the cost to acquire him sort of nullifies really the negative issue there. T- Tim and I talked about this a little bit. If you guys are... The listeners are Ravens fans from from old, from the 2006-2007 era. This sort of screams Trevor Price. This was a defensive lineman that the Ravens acquired when he was in his 30s, was a Pro Bowl player, uh, was looking to sort of move on, and the Ravens were there, just ready to take on. The guy just immediately started 16 games in his first season with the Ravens in 2006, and they went 13-3. and three. It's a similar type player, big dude who's going to do a lot of different things, uh, and it's just a perfect. It, it's the perfect move for the Ravens. And Eric DaCosta, you're just you're doing some things so far. What else are you doing? You're making other moves for other guys from the Rams because you embarrassed them last season. So time to poach their best players. You already got Peters. How about Michael Brockers, Tim? You want to keep going on this? Just keep sure. stocking that defensive line. Why not? Let's do it again. Let's add another defensive lineman, another piece who, again, kind of like Calais Campbell, maybe not the um, the same level of talent. Three years, $30 million deal, a pretty friendly deal um, in terms of what they can get out of if they need to. Let's just run through these numbers real quick for all you cap nerds. $21 million guaranteed. The first two years, base salary is guaranteed. $10.5 million signing bonus. Uh, but if he's cut after the first two seasons with one year left on his contract, the Ravens would save $9 million in cap, which is huge, especially for a team that's always teetering that line and uh has a quarterback they have to pay in the next couple of years. Um, and there's only $3.5 million in dead money should they do that, should this Brockers deal not work out. That being said, you talk about durability. The man has been in the league eight years. He's missed five games in eight years on the defensive line. We're talking Yonda levels, my friends, of durability there. Uh, he can play all sorts of positions across, all across the line. He was the 14th overall pick in the, in the NFL draft when he came in. Never really lived up to that potential, but has become a very, very solid player of, among the likes of a Dante Fowler Jr. or some of the other pass rushers, Robert Quinn, back in the day that the Rams have had. Um, he, according to Pro Football Focus, was a top 25 in overall grade among in, interior defensive linemen and had a top five grade in run defense. This is the thing. Derrick Henry scared the life out of the Baltimore Ravens, as he should have, because we don't need to relive what happened there. They now have two guys to pair with Brandon Williams, another beast in the middle of the field, who will not let that happen again. And you think Judon, whether he stays or goes, they're going to improve the the pass rush, I think, as well, whether it be some, some later free agent signings we'll talk about later or in the draft, which they've been linked to pass rushers as well. Now you have... Already, in terms of on paper, we have to see how it works on the field, obviously. 
But on paper, one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, which is not one of the things you could say about the Ravens a week ago. Just an incredible job by EDC. This is another one of those guys. Like, Campbell has the star power. The Campbell deal happens, right? And everybody on Twitter goes, holy crap, the Ravens did it again. They're one of these (laughs) franchises that uh, they did it again. They did it again. He got they got him for a fifth. That's and as Antonio mentioned, taking advantage of a situation, reading the market as it opens up and and exploiting it when you need to. Brockers is one where your your NFL heads, some of the people that you really trust, some of the people that love the trenches more than I do on Twitter, that watch this stuff religiously, go, that's gonna be a great signing for them. And and you know, look, clearly we're looking at this with purple tinted glasses. That's the reason you're listening to this podcast. I didn't really see a ton of bad stuff about this signing. Oh, three years, $30 million for that? that? That makes total sense for them. And on top of Calais Campbell, makes them one of the more feared defensive lines in terms of stopping the run, especially. I love deals like this because, like you said, Brockers is just a solid pro. Like, he's not going to, you know, just become Aaron Donald, but he's very solid. He's good at what he does. And I think compared to, you mentioned probably the end of Michael Pierce, I think part of this, too, is... Uh, a guy like Brockers provides a little more versatility than a Michael Pierce can um, provide. I just uh, was looking up here. Uh, Brockers, you know, 23 career sacks um, over eight seasons. Not not a ton, but it's around three or four a year. And to get like just more interior pressure, I, Tim, you said just the, you know, the low number of sacks that this uh, Ravens team had from the uh, the interior or from the defensive line. I think along with the Campbell deal, just going hand in hand, I think it's really solid. And like you said, it's clear they looked at like, what's the weakest part of our defense? You know, linebackers in today's NFL, you could are almost in some ways becoming glorified safeties, almost uh, the way they're used in coverage. So outside of linebacker, they looked at what's the weak point of this defense? It's defensive line. And DaCosta got two very solid veteran players who know what to do and should be pretty much perfect plug and kind of play guys. And I, I, I don't see how you can have a bad thought about the Brockers signing. I think it's just cheap money. It's a good player. I think it's perfect veteran guy, 30 years old. So I'm a big fan of it with players coming in as is the, the NFL is a business. I don't know if you guys <laughs> have heard that before. Uh, it's a business. So as players comes in, come in, some players have to go out. And with that, got a player cut, got a player traded. They got the same last name. Hayden Hurst (laughs) traded to Atlanta for a second round pick. We talked about this in our last episode a few weeks ago when it was sort of a whisper that Hurst was being traded. I've gone back and forth with this. Uh, We I I don't remember all three of our values, but I had sort of set the value at he's a first round pick only two years removed. So the value for me was a first round pick, maybe a late first round pick. They didn't get that. They got a second round pick. And that's basically my one negative here. Yeah, the Ravens had a surplus, essentially, of tight ends. But they're a team that uses multiple tight ends a lot, almost the entire game. They're a team whose quarterback loves throwing to tight ends. And Hayden Hurst was only a few years into his Ravens career and was a fast, athletic tight end who really had a slow start as a rookie because he was hurt and showed strides in his second year. That's my negative there. Um... I'll, you know, I'll, t- I'll toss to you guys, Tim, if you want to go first, but this was sort of a, a deal we kind of saw coming. Well, look, he's a first-round pick. A little bit different because he's already 26. Right. Um, came into the league at, at a, as an elder, 
you should say, as a rookie. I believe as a 25-year-old. Um, they still got a second-round pick for him, which I think is pretty valuable. They had to give up a fourth and got a fifth back as well. Um, you say that Lamar loves throwing to tight ends. He loves throwing to one tight end, and that's Mark Andrews. <laughs> I, the biggest thing is here. Who gets hurt a lot. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that. But the the problem here is I think Hayden Hurst, and it was it's been reported that he kind of wanted – more of a role and said, if you can't give me more of a role, do you mind moving me on? And the Ravens obliged and still got some value for him. There's not a ton you can do there. I, I agree with you completely. The, the system that they run is going to need either a little tweaking or you're going to have to bring a guy in because, uh, I love Nick Boyle, but he ain't that guy. Um, (laughs) like how many, how many games in are we going to be where on the second drive of the game, Mark Andrews gets hurt, and all of a sudden we have Nick Boyle as the starting, running all the pass routes from tight end. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. So they're going to need to address that. I'm sure, you know, you would, again, we have the um, the luxury of trusting the Ravens organization with some of this stuff too because they've they've been good at it over the years in terms of they know what's in the draft. They know who they value maybe a little higher than other people, and because of that, they were willing to let go of a Hayden Hurst, who I thought was pretty was, was clearly talented, not consistent, and you could argue maybe didn't get the opportunities. But let me point out one thing to bring in a little bit of our NFL news here. There has been one three-time All-Pro player, a three-time consecutive All-Pro player, who after that third All-Pro season was not on the team that he got all three of those All-Pros with. And that would be DeAndre Hopkins, who is now on the Arizona Cardinals. The last player to be a three-time consecutive All-Pro player and not be on his team the following season is Jim Brown, who retired. (laughs) They got DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round pick, went to the Cardinals, for David Johnson, a running back who's always hurt and is, gets paid way too much money, and a second-round pick. The Hayden Hurst trade was a second-round pick and a swap of fourth- and fifth-round picks. They essentially got the same <laughs> amount of, uh, what would you say, income Net or whatever value. it is. Net value, thank you, for a backup tight end, a, in a few years, could say, bust of a first-round pick, for a three-time all-pro wide receiver, arguably the best wide receiver in the game, who, thank the Lord, just like another uh, pretty famous guy we'll get to in a second, is no longer in the American Football Conference, and rather in the National Football Conference, meaning we don't have to deal with him as much. I think they saw that, and they said, you're going to give us this for Hayden Hurst? Okay. And it became another desperation (laughs) thing as well. The Falcons just lost their tight end who went to the Browns for an insane amount of money. And because of that, they needed to fill a hole. The Falcons said, we'll give you all this for this guy. And the Ravens went, okay, we'll make this work. We know we can make this work. Now, that has to be done, clearly. But I think that I I trust the organ again. I trust the organization enough that that they could do it. Jason, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think in a perfect world, you would prefer to just keep Hayden Hurst, because like you said, Antonio, Mark Andrews, as good as he is, and I think he is better, certainly at catching, but, uh, or at least not even necessarily that, but just the, the trust he's developed with him and Lamar Jackson and stuff, he's become their top target, and Hurst is clearly talented, but it is a thing, on paper, he's their second 
string tight end, their second best tight end. And, um, you know, you get a second round pick for him if he's not like, as you said, NFL's a business and asset management so key. And I think Deca- Eric Dacosta has done a great job of that so far. So if he's not in your long term plans, Hayden Hurst, I think it behooves them to pick up a second round pick. And like you mentioned, um, I think with the defensive line trades and stuff they've made, as well as Marshall Yonda's retirement, I think it might change their draft strategy a bit. So, you know, Falcons went seven and nine last year. So it's kind of a high ish second round pick. Um, So, you know, I think just accumulating that for when you're thinking, well, we probably need to draft a an offensive lineman who will probably be the starter this year unless they make other moves, you know, to be that right guard or um, just, you know, move a uh, if Matt Scar is back, you know, kick uh, Patrick McCarry over or something. But I think it just gives them options to try to refill the, the, the new offensive line holes as well as kind of address, you know, the defensive line in even more or linebacker. So if Hurst wasn't part of the plan, I think getting, uh, you know, players or getting an asset to try to bolster other parts of your team worked out well for them. Jace, you touched on the offensive line there. That's be in addition to that being a need is, uh, the other Hurst, James Hurst officially released by the Ravens and our other news. We touched on this when he failed a drug test, was going to be suspended to start the season, and we touched on the possibility that this was going to lead to a release because he was a backup player. Uh, this tied into the Yonder retirement. Now, I mean, we have a whole series of holes to fill in the offensive line, starters, backups, so that's going to be a thing. James Hurst was a fine Raven while he was here. I, I don't <laughs> think many of us are going to miss him uh, as he's gone. And then one other departure, and this is official as of pretty recently, and that's Brandon Carr officially. His option not picked up. He's going to save the Ravens $6 million. Tim, I'm going to, I'm going to turn to you quickly because he was your favorite Raven. Uh, so th- <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on Brandon Carr, uh, the versatile Brandon Carr, the long-term starter Brandon Carr, officially not being a Raven. I mean, he was, like you said, I have given a lot of stick to Brandon Carr, uh, the the length of this podcast, obviously last season. He's never been my favorite. Um, and maybe it's one of those things, especially when you're you're in the moment watching the game and he gets torched once. And then all of a sudden, every time somebody near him gets torched, you blame it on him. Hand up. That probably <laughs> happened a couple times. I will take responsibility for that. Uh, that being said, he was incredibly versatile. He could play slot corner, safety, a little bit of outside as well. Um, how good is debatable. Uh, and they had six picks in three seasons. The only guy to have more over those three seasons was Marlon Humphrey. Now, that's a name with Marcus <clears throat> Peters and the return of Tavon Young. That's one, two, three. So if they're going to save $6 million in cap on a fourth corner, essentially, I think it was always the easy choice. Um, and then he wasn't really going to play a ton of safety with at least starting, obviously, with Chuck Clark and Earl Thomas back there as well. So um, it did a lot for the community, too. It's not something that we should, um, you know, Calais Campbell's another one of those guys that we didn't mention before. Kind of a great off the field guy, uh, a former or maybe current NFL man of the year. Walt uh, Payton man hey, of the year. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Calais Campbell just did win that um, along with uh, MVP of the Pro Bowl with Lamar Jackson. So Brandon Carr, one of those guys as well. Um it's probably going to be missing the community, and it, um, prob- I would assume 
with that a pretty decent locker room guy too but when you're up against the cap like they are and you got to save six million you're going to save six million to cut your fourth corner and it's simple as that yeah i I don't have much to add other than the the one benefit Carr had you know they always say the greatest ability is availability and brandon Carr literally doesn't miss games so when jimmy smith hobbled off for the 80th time that season it was you know at least you had someone somewhat an nfl starter an nfl player (laughs) someone who would always step up and fill his role but i i don't really i won't like i imagine years from now brandon Carr will be a random raven uh entrant because <laughs> those six picks definitely more than i anticipated him having but uh yeah nothing really else to add i think it's as you said we've said a bunch it's a business so save some money and as tim said we the starters are in place so kind of pushes brandon Carr to the outside jace a random raven three years from now I want you to only say that he had six picks in three seasons and see if either of Tim and I can guess it, because I don't think we will. One more note for the Ravens before we move on to the NFL. And it's special teams. It's the Wolfpack. It's Sam Cook getting a two-year extension. Tim, you want to give us the details on... uh, just one of the, I think, the longest tenured Raven at this point? Yeah, at this point. The punter. Sam, Sam Cook, best player in the league, if you listen to Ravens wrap-up way back in the day. Um, he's gonna be 30, <laughs> when Sam Cook was still a Raven. Still a Raven, yeah. <laughs> back when we were in college. Oh, that's sad. Um, yeah, he's going to be 38 <laughs> in August. Um, Sam Cook just still doing it, you know. There was an incredible streak of games where he just didn't punt uh, when the Ravens were on an incredible win streak. But when he did, worked that right into an extension. <laughs> exactly. And when he did, uh, he had 46.4 yards per punt last season, eighth in the NFL. Uh, the king of the coffin corner, if you played Madden back in the day and had to do those training camp exercises where you had to put it right in the corner, you just do it with <laughs> Sam Cook because he just does it all game long put him on the 10 put him on the 10 put him on the 10 an invaluable asset i mean a guy who hasn't dipped in form at all and even without a lot of practice especially a lot less than (laughs) usual with this uh revamped ravens offense we saw last year still was producing at a very high level and um you know another solid move you could say as well the extension might free up some cap room as well i don't have the exact numbers but usually reworking contracts like this pushing money down the road might help them open up some space to make a couple more moves as well so look you can make more moves and keep one of the best punters in the nfl you do it simple as that yeah i have literally nothing else to add other than yeah kept his leg fresh this year so so it's probably saved him a few seasons so (laughs) Um, yeah as you said longest tenure raven so it's uh he's been there since 2006 which is hard to believe so uh, it's good to keep them around. You know, it's always fun to have guys that span multiple eras of the team and kind of just endure. So I'm glad he's still there and he's still good. So he's, that's, why not? <laughs> so that's it for the Ravens. Just a couple of things. They're slowly <laughs> rebuilding their team to another 14 and two record next season. But so we're going to move on now. We're finally going to move on. And we're going to get to these, just these minute, you know, blip on the radar. <laughs> Did anything happen in the NFL? NFL <laughs> storylines. And I guess if if you were in most parts of the United States, you would be angry that we waited 41 minutes to talk about this. But we're a Ravens podcast, so now it's time to get to the NFL. The biggest story happening just a day or two ago. First of all, Tom Brady no longer on the Patriots. That was the first story with this uh, very emotional 
uh, post that he wrote about how he was time to move on to a new challenge and how he loved everybody, love everybody, but time to move on to a new team. The weirder part of this, because we had sort of talked about the possibility of him leaving the Patriots. The weird part, he will be joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the most nondescript teams in the NFL. Uh, we're going to have some thoughts on this. I don't know which one of you wants to jump on this more aggressively. Let's go to Jace, because I feel like <laughs> you may get as emotional as Tom did when he talked about leaving the Patriots. Tom Brady, going to be in that just janky, gross Buccaneers uniform in the NFC South doing stuff, I guess, as a 42-year-old quarterback. I I am so confused by this. <laughs> I just keep thinking... But why the Bucks? I get, I get why you would leave the Patriots. I don't really get it. I would have stayed or just retired, probably. But I see the motivation in wanting to, you know, prove your because, you know, if he leads the Bucks to a Super Bowl, this win somehow it's at 43 Doors closed. He's the greatest of all time, but he probably always will be. But <laughs> I, but I just I don't understand. The, as you said, the Bucks are like the. You could argue the Bucks. They have won a Super Bowl, but they might be the worst franchise in NFL history. They have the lowest winning percentage. They of all thirty teams. They at one point had 14 straight losing seasons across the eighties and nineties. You know, they were the, the originators of Owen 14. Like they had a what? 26, 28 game losing streak at some point. I just don't understand why he would do this. And it's so confusing. It's so confusing. I don't see like the weapons are good, but like I have no explanation for why the Bucks. <laughs> so let's back up a second, because there were like six hours there or a day there where it was official that Tom Brady was moving on from the Patriots, but it wasn't official where he was going. But two names were really floated, and it was the Buccaneers and the Chargers, the the not anymore San Diego, but Los Angeles Chargers. If you had asked me in this one day span how much I would put on him going to, to L.A., to the Chargers, as opposed to Tampa Bay, Florida, would have put a lot, would have put too much, and I would have lost. But And that's the aspect that I don't understand. The L.A. market, going to California, that seems such a clear move for a play, this type of profile of a player as a, from you know going from the East Coast to Los Angeles seems like oh that I, I guess that makes sense as a move for a guy who has very few boxes if any to check off on the resume go to the big market get all the endorsements get all the stuff that Los Angeles has to offer I would have lost all that money that I bet on that decision <laughs> because he went to this just see I mean random team is that a, is that a bad word to use in the NFL but I just don't get it Tim why why did Tom Brady do this? I'll tell you why, because it's reported that he's going to make $30 million a year <laughs> from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's that's why he's going to go. And I'll steal this from my boss, who is from that area of New England, uh, who is just in such a great mood. I love it. Um, and like every other Bostonian, he's retiring to Tampa Bay, where pretty much everybody goes to retire. 
He's going to wear the alarm clock numbers on his jersey. They might bring back the creamsicles for old Tommy Brady. Well, they're s- supposed to get new jerseys of some type, but they haven't said what they are Well, yet. they're getting the creamsicles <laughs> then. I mean, come on. They're going to have to at this point. Look, whatever. Make your money. Go be. At least the Detroit Lions have Thanksgiving. Like Tampa Bay, <laughs> I can't figure out a more irrelevant franchise in the National Football League. And we're Ravens fans. Like we have a relatively small <laughs> fan base. Now we have the most exciting player in the league, mind you. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> That's so confusing. Okay. Derek Brooks, John Lynch. What a legacy. Old Johnny Gruden leading them to a Super Bowl because he knew all the Raiders' plays. Like Tim, you've forgotten Brad Johnson. Uh, excuse me, Brad Johnson. <laughs> Apologies. The, the greatest quarterback in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. I will say this. They're gonna, there's not going to be as much excitement with a 43-year-old with a giant knee brace when they used to have the guy who couldn't see at quarterback <laughs> in Jameis Winston. Which we need to get to. We need to get to the other side of this. That we had talked about, Jameis Winston could finally see and was going to throw 80 touchdowns and zero interceptions next season. That's the other half of this. Before you get to that side, I want to get to the other side. All of you Patriots fans who have seen (laughs) nothing but success. I am playing the world's smallest violin here on our podcast for you. I've heard, uh, you see it, you listen to different sports podcasts and you listen. Oh, he's never going to leave. He'll just retire. He's a Patriot for life. And you see these guys who are our age or younger, us being in our late 20s or younger, who have seen nothing but winning. I I was listening to a podcast today, and one of the guys on there is from New England. I believe he's probably like 25, only a couple years younger than us. And he said the last time we weren't in the AFC championship game before this past season was when I was in high school. Guess what? Belichick is a great coach, but that is over. Over. Jared Stidham is starting at quarterback for the New England Patriots. Or, or here's the option. Believer. And here's the option. Here's the, the other one that was floated after this news that Brady was leaving came out yesterday was Bill Belichick has always been a fan of Andy Dalton. Always been a fan of the Red Rocket. I am so... Ryan Fitzpatrick is the best quarterback in the AFC East as of this moment right now. It, it's a cold hard fact. And I, for <laughs> one, am here for it. The Patriots era, it's something that I'm like when that unfortunate day comes when I have children, I don't have to still be sitting in this horrible, horrible, dominant Patriots era. I can just tell them it's like a fairy tale. It happened so long ago. It's gone. It's gone. It has disappeared into the nether. It is no longer here. I, I know Belichick is great. I know he went 11 and five with Matt Castle. Great. They didn't even make the playoffs that year. So people need to calm down about that whole thing. Ding dong, the witch is dead, and I am so excited about it. Tim, just a counterpoint for you. What if they go to the Super Bowl with Andy Dalton? I might be more sad about that. Like, that might be, like, the worst thing that has ever happened to me. If, like, the Patriots without Tom Brady just make the Super Bowl next year. So, actually, no, let's back up, because I'm going to pose this as a two-pronged question. What is more, I'm going to hot take this. What is more likely to happen that Tom Brady takes this Tampa Bay team to the Super Bowl or that a Patriots team with an Andy Dalton-like quarterback returns to the Super Bowl? That's, I think. <laughs> I mean, Belichick. Yeah, are the Buccaneers better than the Saints? I don't think so. <laughs> and 
Uh, now, it will be fun to watch Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Like, I got to say, I'm more invested in the Bucks than I've certainly ever been in my entire life before. <laughs> now that Tom Brady's there. But I just I, I just I don't I don't get what the Patriots are doing because that division is still very winnable. Are the Jets winning it? Are the Bill? It's Josh Allen's time. I I, I just like Tom Brady wasn't. A hundred percent great last year. He was 42. He's getting older, obviously. I mean, he's doing things literally no quarterback his age has ever done before, which is like play this long. But I still have to think Tom Brady in that division gives you a better chance to win than like just giant question mark, which I guess it was on him and they couldn't figure it out. But I just don't I just I guess I don't get what the Patriots are doing. <laughs> Is the other side of why the Bucks? I'm just so confused by the entire thing. I don't understand why he went to Tampa Bay unless it's like a TB to TB, a marketing thing. I don't know. And then the, I just what are the Pats doing? I'm so confused by it all. Listen, Tim, Tim had the first half of it. Tom Brady wanted to get paid and the biggest deal was in Tampa Bay. The Patriot aspect of it, I think Belichick. I think egos play a much bigger part in this than you would ever think possible for this type of player with this type of legacy on that team. I think Belichick was ready to try out a different quarterback who he thinks he can turn into a Super Bowl champion as opposed to paying $30 million for a 43-year-old quarterback. It's kind of sad that this can happen because this is the... If ever there were a player in the history of the <laughs> right. NFL who would play his entire career with one team, it's the best quarterback of all time. No, it's Ray Lewis. <laughs> and yet, I think Belichick was more than comfortable to let this happen once the price was what Brady expected to stay on the team. Well, it's a, that's a good idea, or a good, good point there, Antonio, because there have been numerous reports as this has played out the last couple of years that... Those two have butted heads for a long time. Tom Brady was clearly frustrated that they got rid of the head case that was Antonio Brown, who the latest reports are that every team that wanted to sign him, he basically told them, I want to bring Antonio Brown on board. You have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I don't know why you need him too. But if the Buccaneers are like, yes, please, we need the tickets, then fine. Um, Belichick has always been the guy that cuts a guy too early, not too late. He knows he can do it. He's cut a guy that even... Super Bowl Eve, like multiple times just to do it. This was clearly he, he was tired of Brady complaining about not having the weapons because he always wanted to invest in his own defense. You know, clearly they're the best pairing in NFL history. It, you know, we can take all the biases aside out of it. Belichick Brady, it's going to go down in history as the best pairing, most dominant pairing across an era. That's why I'm so happy it's over, frankly. <laughs> but. At some point, when two guys have that much success, Antonio, you're dead right. You know, the only thing the only thing that's not going to split up when it gets wildly successful is this podcast. I think, frankly, <laughs> I think we're going to be great. I think we'll be fine. We have this we have this capability now behind figured the curtain to record this remotely. We figured everything out. I don't need the weapons. I'm fine. I can I'll take a pay cut for both of you. It's okay. And that's another <laughs> point too. Brady consistently took pay cuts over and over and over again to improve that team. And look. Finally, and this is where both both sides are right. Finally, maybe he was like, you know what? I need a payday. I've got all the money in the world. Clearly, I'm dating or I'm married to a supermodel, but 
I want that one big paycheck. And the Patriots, rightly so, said you're going to be 43 years old. You had (laughs) one of your worst seasons last year. We're not paying you. And at that point, there comes the divorce. I will say also quickly, and I know we need to move on. This is fresh. And I'm sure we said this when Peyton moved to the Broncos. But I think this is more just because it's also the Buccaneers. This will be the weirdest that guy in that jersey (laughs) across any sport of all time. Like that first time he walks out, that second time, even hell, the 16th time he walks out for a Buccaneers game in that jersey, I'm still going to be like, that That doesn't make sense. There's a pirate ship in the back. It's all confusing. <laughs> None of it makes sense. Ahoy, Tom Brady. Ahoy. The only- Unless we forget, uh, his final pass is a Patriot. I pick six. Love it. Great stuff. <laughs> the uh, comparison that I have to this for these two guys, for Belichick and Brady, is like, you all, you know, in the annals of rock history, there's all these questions about these bands that broke up, and the whole argument is, oh, why, you know, why did they break up? They had everything. They were the best. They had so much talent. They worked. The music was perfect. Like, how could they ever break up? And then when they do, both sides are never really the same. And I think if I had to, you know, I'm going to look into the glass ball here a year or two ahead of time. I think both of them are going to end up slightly jaded and not accomplishing what they want to accomplish. Sure, Brady's going to get paid. I don't think he's going to have as much success as he wants or expects in Tampa Bay. I think Belichick is not going to create that superstar quarterback and Super Bowl run without Tom Brady. And it's if you're a Patriots fan, it's a shame that this is how it ended. If you're a fan of an AFC team, you sort of you sort of are looking at two teams now taking over the AFC with the last few moves that have happened. Ravens Chiefs. That's what I see for the next ten years. But we have to. We're going to move on from Tom Brady because almost a lot of the entire NFL section to him, which is which is fair. But let's get into Tim. You touched on it earlier when you were talking about some of the Ravens deals. We said Calais Campbell was the second biggest steal of the week. The biggest steal of the week, the DeAndre Hopkins just randomly traded to Arizona for an expensive, oft-injured running back in David Johnson and a second-round pick. Any other thoughts you guys want to touch on with this DeAndre? Besides the fact that now the Ravens don't have to go against DeAndre Hopkins next season. Any other thoughts on him? That's a huge plus. I think this is like one of the worst trades we've seen in the NFL in a really long time. It makes no, I just can't imagine having a wide receiver that good and being like, who doesn't, I think, need a new contract for like three years or something. He's under contract for several years and just being like, oh, we got the star QB, but the, let's get rid of the star wide receiver. He's the problem with this team. <laughs> like the guy who doesn't drop anything has like the best hands in football. Like I've never, I don't know. I, he, he's one of, he's certainly a top five wide receiver in the league, if not top three. I just, I don't understand what it accomplishes for a Texans team where you figure your windows now. Cause you just traded a whole bunch of first round picks for Laramie Tunsil like a year ago. And, I don't know. The whole thing's very confusing. I think it's an awesome trade for the Cardinals. I think it's exactly what they need. Like, young QB first took a QB first overall. Hey, let's get one of the three best wide receivers in football for him to throw to is exactly what they need. So I think it's a brilliant trade for the Cardinals, which, you you know, can't say too much for them. So (laughs) I don't know what the Texans are doing, though. Yeah, quickly, I'll just say uh, not a lot of people can be head coach and GM. 
<laughs> Bill Bryan, Bill O'Brien certainly is a guy who seems like he cannot do both. Um, you, you have, you finally have a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson, a guy that you can certainly build around for years to come. And then you get rid of his best weapon. Sure. A guy, like you said, <laughs> under contract for a long time. Michael Irvin reported as we record this morning, <laughs> it, it's been shot down. Um, DeAndre Hopkins came out and said, and said, this is being way overblown, but said he compared him to Aaron Hernandez, which is wild to me. Um, so yeah, overall bad deal. Everybody, if you, if you follow the NFL, everybody has slammed this deal. I don't think one person has said this is a positive for the Houston Texans. Um, maybe they need to free up some room to pay Tunsil because they finally started protecting Watson. Who knows? I will say Kyler Murray might be coming on in the league here when he's got <laughs> he's got Larry Fitz, Larry the legend Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, who is pretty good, and now one of the best receivers in football in DeAndre Hopkins. Cardinals fans should be very, very excited about the future um, of that offense. And and I think Kyler Murray's got what it takes, albeit a little small in stature. I think he showed enough in his rookie year that they should be very excited for what's to come from him. Uh, just last point real quick. I think my favorite part of this whole, the Texans aspect of this whole Hopkins trade is that like the next day they turned around and signed very <laughs> average and very washed Randall Cobbs for three years and $27 million to address a need that they themselves created that didn't need to exist in the first place. You do you Texans. I, I, you know, I hammered the over on your wins last season, probably going to hammer the under on your wins this season. And that's, and that's how that goes. Some other NFL notes. Uh, this guy's a Terp. All three of us are Terps. Stefan Diggs. After seemingly years and years of frustration and, and potential trades and animosity and wanting to move on, he has now moved on and was traded to the Buffalo Bills. You guys are both big fans of the Bills. Uh, Tim, you said Fitzpatrick is now the best quarterback in the <laughs> AFC East. Is it Josh Allen with the Bills who now have Stefan Diggs? No. Because it's Josh <laughs> Allen. Um <laughs> This is the funny thing. Stefan Diggs tweeted the whole time for new beginnings. And then every Ravens fan, including uh, uh, NBA superstar Donovan Mitchell, went, ooh, purple and black, purple and black. Didn't happen. It was a little too rich for their blood, which, you know what? I trust EDC on that one as well. Um, I love the fact, and, and I like Diggs. We're, we're all Maryland guys. You know, I have obviously a, a soft spot in my heart for Stefan Diggs. Would have loved to see him in this shade of purple rather than the Minnesota shade. But the fact that he's been so frustrated with Kirk Cousins, who got a contract <laughs> extension, by the way, something that we haven't noted, uh, that's not in the rundown here, but you like that. He's going to be in Minnesota for a little longer. Went from Kirk <laughs> Cousins to Josh Allen, who um, hasn't quite shown it yet in the NFL. I think the frustrations may continue for the former term. Yeah, if, if his problem was getting the ball to him, yeah, Josh Allen probably might be a little step back in that regard. Uh, I do like it uh, overall, if you, your belief is Josh Allen. I love everything about the Bills but Josh Allen, pretty much. Like, I think, like, top to bottom, their roster is so good. And then you're just like, oh, Josh Allen. <laughs> and it's like, if they just had Ryan Fitzpatrick back at quarterback, I'd be like, team to beat in the AFC East. But... They don't. They have Josh Allen. So I don't know. I don't know really what to make of it because it all hinges on Josh Allen. But I still like Stefan Diggs is good. I think if your whole thing is let's make Josh Allen better, it's a step. But yeah, it relies on him 
getting better himself, which I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> and another area of the NFL, I talked earlier in the episode about in, in free agency, some teams are desperate, some teams are aggressive, and some teams ride the wave, as the Ravens do perfectly, seemingly every year. The aggressive team would be the Cleveland Browns. They've done a lot of things uh, year after year after year to seemingly go from six wins to seven wins to eight wins to seven wins. <laughs> well, surprise, they were aggressive again, and they made several moves in a small span. Some good, like the getting Jack Conklin in free agency from the Titans, a right tackle who's not going to solidify their offensive line. Then they made some questionable moves. They paid gigantic money for what is probably going to be a very middle-of-the-road tight end in Austin Hooper from Atlanta, which then led the Falcons to try to get Hayden Hurst. And then they made just a weird move by paying $18 million over three years to Case Keenum to be the backup quarterback of the Browns. One of you jump in here, Cleveland. What are you? What are you doing? Is Baker Mayfield looking over his shoulder already? Should he be? Why? What are the Browns doing? I'm very excited for the quarterback controversy in like week five after they lose to a winless Jets team. And, you know, the Browns might be like two and two. They've got they've they they've beaten like a good team on Monday night. So people, hopefully not the Baltimore Ravens. So people are very excited about that, and then they just. Dumpster fire loss to somebody. Baker is screaming at Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and uh, the Minnesota Vikings off at Szymanski or whoever the new coach is, the Freddie Kitchens light. And, and and then Case Keenum. They're they're chanting Keenum, Keenum, Keenum <laughs> in the dog pound. I, I don't know. I like the Conklin move a lot. You know, it was going to always be too rich for the Ravens blood, but a guy that I could have. I would have loved to see maybe moved inside a guard. I think the tackles are fine, obviously, in Orlando Brown and uh, and Ronnie Stanley. Uh, Hooper, everybody loves, but that's just a lot of money for a guy that everybody loves. But have you seen him play? Because I haven't. And the, the Falcons are just the they. He hasn't made any sort of impact in that way. Um, he was just he was the guy whose contract was up, so he's going to be hyped up by everybody, so he get that big payday. I I've I've heard this so many times. You know, we heard it with the Odo Beckham trade last year. The Browns win the offseason. Guess who else usually wins the offseason? The Washington Redskins. They win the offseason. Let's put it on the field. I, I Almost like the Bengals during the season, I almost want to ban talking about the Browns' offseason moves until we get to the regular <laughs> season because to me, and maybe I'm putting my foot in my mouth, but I'm very confident I'm not based on recent records, it doesn't matter with the Cleveland Browns. We'll, we'll see when we get to September, August, September, you know, when football actually starts. Uh, and the Hooper thing's just confusing now. I'll admit I'm not as up to date on the Browns, you know, free agency needs and stuff. But I thought their tight ends were pretty good. You know, David Njoku was a first round pick or high second at the very least a year or two back. And uh, Ricky Seals Jones torched the Ravens, I feel like, when they played. I don't know his status. So it didn't seem like an area of need. I do think Conklin's a great pickup for them because their line was terrible. And we addressed, I believe, a few weeks ago, Greg Robinson, pending free agency, uh, Greg Robinson. So, you know, maybe Conklin slides over to left. But I think that's a good move for them. And they were in need of that. And then but then the Keenum thing's confusing, like. You took Baker Mayfield first overall just two years ago, and now you're bringing in a guy 
with like significant starting experience to be his backup. That doesn't seem like you have a lot of confidence in him uh, <laughs> if you're making that move. So the whole thing's very Browns. I agree with Tim. It's not super surprising and just more Browns offseason hype. I'm sure they'll go seven and nine and Stefanski will get fired and we'll just do this again next year. <laughs> couple other NFL notes, and then I'm going to toss back to you, Jace, about another veteran quarterback <laughs> who just sort of almost under the radar at this point made a gigantic move. But a couple other quick notes here. Amari Cooper, wide receiver for the Cowboys, gets that extension, and that extension is five years, $100 million. Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, and Zeke Elliott are going to end up costing over $60 million a year for three players on an NFL roster that I think is going to grow in the next year from from 62 players to like 70 players. That's a disaster. I'm going to say that now. There's no way that <laughs> paying three players 60 million is going to end up working uh, in, in today's NFL. But you do you, Jerry Jones. Then in, in Titans QB land, uh, Tannehill got an extension. He's their guy now. Uh, still a little still a little bitter about his play in the playoff game against the Ravens, he made one throw, and of course it went for like a 50-yard touchdown. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marcus Mariota moving on to the Raiders. Uh, he's going to have a chance to probably play Derek Carr seemingly as always up and down in terms of whether he's the answer for Gruden, whether he's the long-term starter. Mariota, a backup, but will certainly have an opportunity at some point, probably next year, to, to get some, some serious playing time. But All right, so now... Philip Rivers, Jace, a guy with a fascinating uh, just life, full-time San Diego Charger, then L.A. Charger. Now he's going where and what is he doing? Yeah, so he assigned a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts. And as you kind of mentioned, under the radar, because in perfect Phil Rivers fashion, uh, Tom Brady announces he's... Um, leaving the New England Patriots and then agreeing to sign with the Bucks on the exact same day. So no one pays attention to Phil Rivers. Um, but he is going to be the new quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts on a one-year deal, which I find fascinating, um, mainly because I am not sure he's an improvement over their quarterback from last year at this point, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, and I've been confused by their rush to replace Jacoby Brissett because I didn't think he was a, like bad by any means, but it's going to be very strange to see Phil Rivers in a different uniform. Um, I think he does fit in Indiana. <laughs> um, he seems like a guy they'll enjoy. Uh, but I, at this point, I don't, I mean, he threw like, he was, I believe, second to Jameis in terms of interceptions last year. So I don't know how much he has in the tank. It seems like a very stopgap problem uh, for the Colts. Like, I don't know that the Colts are just going to, like, go to the Super Bowl now that they have Phil Rivers. So I'm kind of confused by it in many ways. I think it's a good landing spot because I think the Colts are a talented roster. But I just don't know how much better Phil Rivers is than what they already had at this point. That's my big takeaway, I guess, from everything. <laughs> you nailed it on Rivers. I just quickly have some breaking news on this podcast from Pod Like a Raven. It's Ravens related, so I figure we could throw it in here. Uh, I'll start with Limvel Joseph, the free agent defensive tackle from the Minnesota Vikings. He's not coming to Baltimore, guys. Don't worry. Oh. They're both looking at me very well. <laughs> Tim, is, what about you, Davian Clowney? Oh, is that don't, the don't, don't have that one yet. I'm, I'm working with my sources to see if, if he will uh, <laughs> go down from his $20 million a year 
asking price, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But we'll talk, we can talk about that at a later date when he's still on the market asking for that. <laughs> um, Linville Joseph, formerly of the Vikings, has gone to the Chargers, leaving a big hole in the middle of their defensive line, which has now been filled, according to Justina Anderson of ESPN, by Michael Pierce. Uh, yeah. The nose tackle that we talked about kind of didn't really a bad year I would say in a contract year especially for it being a contract year as a guy who was seen as one of the more dominant interior guys a very much underrated Raven who was going to get paid because everybody loved him and then tailed off in that final season of his of his contract um, still a good player we've talked about it at length earlier in this podcast if you want to rewind and listen to us wax poetic <laughs> about Michael Brockers and Clayus Campbell again uh, Michael Pierce is now gone he has signed with the Minnesota Vikings, according to reports, a uh, three-year deal for them. So congrats to him. Hopefully he can kind of re-find his form in another shade of purple. And as always with those those Ravens, especially the ones that you know are good and the ones that you like, glad he's in the NFC. Just go over <laughs> there and dominate. Like, that's fine. Well, maybe we'll see in the Super Bowl. Seemingly every deal in the past week has sort of pushed players that the Ravens didn't want to deal with into the NFC. So that, that's all good news. Jace, your point about Philip Rivers quickly is it's very well taken. I, I'm not sure how much better the Colts got with this move. <laughs> the, what I see is them seeing the Peyton Manning to the Broncos, their own Peyton Manning to the Broncos, <laughs> to win a title as the like, oh, we'll just get Philip Rivers and then we'll have this very short window because they have a lot of pieces there. I guess they just needed the gunslinger, which Jacoby Brissett never was, but he could just as easily throw 35 interceptions next season. So <laughs> we're going to see with the Colts. Just a couple of other things to go over in the NFL. Tim, I'm going to toss to you for the CBA, which I had completely forgotten about with all of this movement between players. It's almost like the NFL knew, listen, there's not a lot of sports on right now. Actually, there's there are no sports on right now. We need to dominate headlines. So let's just move players all over the place. Entirely forgot that the CBA was approved. What are the biggest news and notes from that, Tim? I mean, simply, and I'm going to throw it to Jace, because working at USA Today on this sports beat and primarily right now NFL beat, I mean, the biggest two things are the season will be extended by a game in the next couple of seasons and the playoff format will be extended. Jace, if you want to further elaborate. Yeah, so we are, um, as Tim said, we're going to 17 games, probably in 2021. Um but then we are adding playoff seeds in each conference. And I believe, I think they still need to finalize this for sure. But I believe the idea is now to go to only one buy per conference so that um, because you have an unbalanced. And I imagine this eventually leads to an 18th game and eight playoff teams. But for now, <laughs> we're at uh, 17 and seven, which is very strange for a number of reasons. Um, but uh, I. I do think it'll aid the Ravens because we talked about a lot of good players have seemingly left the AFC um, this week and a lot of traditional powers, namely the, you know, the New England Patriots um, are kind of in a don't want to say flux, but uncertainty. And I think that opens the door for the Ravens to if you only if you have an extra chance to make the playoffs, I think it opens the door for the Ravens to be a pretty regular uh, playoff team under Lamar Jackson, even if they have an off year, you know, eight and eight or eight, eight and eight. Oh, and gosh. Nine. Oh, it's horrible. It's <laughs> trying to think of nine and eight. I'm like, what? But, uh, you know, slightly above 500 teams to make the uh, 
to make the playoffs is going to be a thing. You're going to see nine and eight teams in the playoffs every year now. And uh, I think that aids the Ravens because it gives them more cracks to make the playoffs, probably, even if things don't go great. Because um, ha- you have to imagine that if Lamar Jackson can maintain this 19 and three as a starter pace he has, that they'll be uh contending so i think it benefits them in some ways i still hate it but that's uh will be probably not in 2020 although the the playoff expansion could take place in 2020 if they solidify it but uh yeah uh 2021 for sure we'll probably have a 17 game season and seven playoff teams per conference i hate it i hate all of it i hate the 17th game jace this is a we went 14 and 2 last year the the seven seed is not going to help the ravens it's playing a first round playoff game as the two seed that's going to hurt the Ravens. That's my yes. like yeah. f- super hot take here. They're not going to be the 13. one seed next season because 14 and 2 was above expectations. They'll be the two seed and we'll all be screaming a year from now how we should have a bye, but instead we're playing in round 1 against like a good team. I talked about this a few weeks ago that I was so angry that every team is going to be in the hunt for the last 2 months of the season. <laughs> I don't like any of it. It is what it is. Money talks, and that's the reason for all these different changes. Any other notes that we want to go over about the NFL before we finally get to the (laughs) random Raven? Tim, Jace, any other NFL notes you guys want to talk about? I don't think so. It's gonna be we've... it's gonna be wild over these next couple of weeks. Keep it keep it here for Pod Like a Raven. We'll certainly talk about the more Ravens news, but but the NFL news as well. Um, I. The, the the moving and shaking in this league has really helped the deprived sports fan. Um, you know, there's no March Madness. The NFL, our NBA and NHL playoffs are seemingly not going to happen for a very long time. Um, soccer, the sport that I cover for a living, is non-existent at the moment. So NFL free agency is uh, wild and wonderful at the moment, and and we're going to be covering it every single week here. We're back. We're back. We should announce that we are back. I'm back in the United States and we can do this every week um, while we're all basically just sitting at home because we're not allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. And by all accounts, uh, the NFL still has not delayed the NFL draft. I believe they banned fans from it, but the NFL draft should still be happening. Uh, So (laughs) um, that's another thing on the horizon. You know, as we kind of joke, the NFL doesn't stop for anyone, but they they truly don't. They don't care what you think. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes you get 17 games because they don't care what you think. But uh, yeah, so. I have plenty of NFL news. I anticipate (laughs) the draft is going to have a lot more of those, like, call the guy in his couch surrounded by 800 (laughs) family members as opposed to a guy walking on stage to nobody in the audience because the draft is going to be quarantined. But all right, Jace, why don't you hit us with your random raven this week? (laughs) So I used us in this week. This one's probably too easy, I'll admit. But uh, um, number one, this do everything defender was drafted in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL draft. Done. I figured Tim would go right away. <laughs> he, he spent seven seasons with the Ravens, leaving in free agency after an all pro 2006 season. He's the Ravens all time leader in fumble return touchdowns and fifth with 38 and a half sacks. The two time pro bowler spent the last three years of his career with the new England Patriots. His number 96 was most recently worn last year by Damata Pecco. Jace, that's a great player to bring up based on the players that the Ravens got in the past week. We talked about Trevor Price already. I feel like this guy fits a, a similar 
Bill does a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball. Sort of. I mean, if Trevor Price slash Calais Campbell could play safety, which this guy <laughs> also It's yet did. to be seen, Tim. It's yet to be seen. One of – a guy who I think a lot more Ravens fans would hold in – incredibly high esteem if he didn't move to the dark side and go to the New England <laughs> Patriots. Luckily, wasn't very successful there, as most Ravens free agents kind of seem to fizzle out a lot of the time. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, great, a, a great he, Raven, but got that one right he, off the jump there, my friend. Yeah, I figured it wasn't the hardest. He nearly sacked Eli Manning on a infamous play that became the helmet catch. <laughs> so he's he's prominently involved in a big play in NFL history as well in his time with New England. But yeah, I figured he's us back in. Wasn't the hardest one, but we'll go over it later. <laughs> just one more thing that we want to touch on here. Just a few minutes before we uh, we'll, we're going to give the listener a chance to to rack their brain over who that 2000 draft pick was as a random Raven. But I want to ask you to, you know, we've loved every move that the Ravens have made so far, really in and out. Uh, Eric DaCosta just taking control as the head GM. He was sort of in Ozzie Newsome's shadow for a few years, was always there and waiting. I think some people were scared that it was going to take too long and DaCosta would eventually get impatient and move somewhere else. But he stayed. He's now the guy. He's making all the right moves. So what's left to be done now? Uh, between now and the draft, they could make some, you know, some uh, additions. They don't have a ton of cap space, so a lot of the stuff is going to happen in the draft. And then via trades, we'll see what happens with with Judon. Judon, but you know, some of the some of the needs are are more obvious than others. But I'll ask uh, I'll ask Jace first. What do the Ravens need to do? Need to do? Uh, in the next few months to solidify this team? I think it goes back to what we kind of started the show with, the uh, the retirement of Marshall Yanda. I think um, you gotta you got to make sure you have a starting right guard because, you know, we've... Bradley Bozeman has, has been pushed around at times in the past, uh, um, but he seems solidified at that left guard spot. But... You just can't have a question mark like that on the interior, especially when the center position kind of is uncertain. Matt Skura coming back from major knee injury. Don't know if he'll be ready to go. Then you're relying on, you know, Patrick McCarry, who I think performed admirably, but undrafted free agent talent levels only so high there. Um, so I think for me, it circles back to the offensive line. I think that is kind of, and I, I know we've talked about, in the past to perhaps a playmaker, but I think wide receivers are perhaps easier to find, not easier to find, but there's a lot of them in this draft. Um, but it's hard to find good offensive linemen. I think try, trying to find someone who's even, you know, 75% the player of Marshall Yonda uh, for that right guard spot is probably their biggest challenge at this point. First of all, the Ravens have never been good at finding receivers in the draft. So <laughs> even though there's a million of them in this draft, I would, I would, Watch yourself on that one. But I think unquestionably it's the offensive line. Um, even if they trade Matthew Judon for picks, you know, not necessarily another pass rusher, which they probably wouldn't do anyway. Um, I think the offensive line is far and away the number one thing. Matt Sakura has been tendered with the lowest possible tender, meaning the Ravens will not get anything back should he sign elsewhere. Uh, he's coming off an injury. Like you said, Makari played okay, but... Am I going to trust him to fill the shoes of Marshall Yonda at least even a little bit? Absolutely not. Uh, Bozeman had a good year last year, but, you know, we've seen him in the offseason. His diet's not been great. He's eating 75-ounce <laughs> steaks. So who, 
Who knows uh, what, what JP is going to be in. But honestly, you know, another guy who we have to see if last season was a fluke or the start of sort of a very good run at left guard. Nobody really knows that for sure right now. And all of this comes back to a man we really haven't mentioned much on this Ravens podcast. You have to protect Lamar Jackson. He is, he is the slipperiest man in the NFL, one of the hardest guys to tackle in the National Football League. That doesn't mean you can put a makeshift line in front of him and hope everything goes well. Look at D- Deshaun Watson, another guy whose escapability um, is, is pretty good, not on the same level as the MVP, but it's up there. And not having one of your locker room leaders, one of the leaders of the offense uh, there, but also one of the best offensive linemen in the history of the National Football <laughs> League, that makes this and I, Antonio has mentioned it on previous podcasts before. That makes this, to me anyway, even with the pass rush being number two, and we've debated that um, in previous episodes, the offensive line far and away the number one concern right now. As I mentioned at the start, the very first episode we did of this show uh, before last season could make or break a Ravens year. Clearly it did not do that last year. It could very well do it this year. Um, it needs to be addressed. I'm sure it will be, but at the moment it is not. And, uh, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see what EDC and, and crew do. The Ravens have a lot of picks uh, with the with the last few deals that they've made. We'll see. I, I, you know, I'm always curious. They always tend to move back in the draft. That has been their M.O., uh, especially with a late round first late first round pick. They'll trade that and get a couple of picks you know, right behind it, basically. I would, you know, as a fan, I'd love to see them package a few picks, move up 20 spots in the first round and grab just a stud offensive lineman. The pass rush is another area of need. That's something they're absolutely going to have to address. At this point, tight end, they they need somebody else. Uh, The draft apparently is a little thin on tight ends this season, so I'm not sure if they're going to really get what they want or what they need uh, which is a solid pass-catching backup tight end. I'm not sure if they're going to get that from this draft, but that's definitely an area of need. And then linebacker, Jace, you touched on it, but it's a position you can fill seemingly now easier than you could in the past. Sort of, It's becoming the running back of the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you see what the Ravens did last season. They made several changes and got guys you know, a few weeks into the regular season, and they started the rest of the way. So... <laughs> Several spots still, as any NFL team has several spots to address. But for me, so far, so good with what the Ravens have done. Um, Time to go to the draft. And Eric, time to do more of your great work there. (laughs) Jace, why don't we go through the clues of the random Raven one more time, uh, and then we're going to get out of this show. Uh, I think we both uh, both know who it is, but go through the clues (laughs) one more time for the listener. This do-everything defender was drafted in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL Draft. He spent seven seasons with the Ravens, leaving in free agency after an all-pro 2006 season. He's the Ravens' all-time leader in fumble return touchdowns and fifth on the Ravens' all-time list with 38 and a half sacks. The two-time pro bowler spent the last three years of his career with the New England Patriots. His number 96 was most recently worn last year by Domata Pecco. Tim, I'm going to let you guess the name, but I have one quick... We talk about random ravens. I have a random memory of this random raven, and that was that we all loved him. He was a great player, but this memory that I have is in a ravens game. I don't even remember what year it was. 
they played the Chiefs uh, when the Chiefs had that really, really good returner. Was it Dante Hall? Dante Hall. Yeah, Dante Hall. And on a special teams, they had been avoiding him the entire game. They were terrified of kicking to him. And then finally, late in the game, the Ravens had a lead or it was tied. And Adelius Thomas... I just blew the name, but the, <laughs> this player committed a penalty on special teams, and the Ravens had to kick again. And on that second kick, Hall took it to the house for a touchdown, and the Ravens ended up losing to the Chiefs. Let's pretend I didn't say the name. Tim, who was the random <laughs> Raven this week? That's a pretty bad memory of a Dalius Thomas. It's a very bizarre was, memory, but I, I always have had it. It was a, yeah. a stud for the Ravens <laughs> for a while there. Yeah, he was one of my dad and I's favorite players. Uh, just his versatility was, you know, they, Tim, you had mentioned it. They love to bring up, he could even play safety, which he probably did for like a snap once. But it's like, you know, Haloti not on playing rugby. He's got to bring it up every time. <laughs> but he was so versatile. I loved watching him play. And yeah, I was I, he was about as disappointed as I've been to see a Ravens player leave. I think specifically, too, for the team he went to. He was there. And maybe that's why he was there longer than I realized when I was looking up the stats, because I guess he kind of eased into the lineup, sort of Jarrett Johnson-esque, where he was there for a long time, but didn't, you know, really get started right away. But uh, yeah, Adelius Thomas, one of my favorite players uh, in uh, those middle school years of those formative Ravens uh, years of Kyle Bowler turfing balls and going three and out and the defense with Adelius Thomas and Ned Reed and Ray Lewis uh, having to go back out there. <laughs> All right, guys, any final comments, news, notes about the Ravens or the NFL before we come back next week? It's just good no, to be it's, back. It's just good to be yeah, back. It's, it was great to do the show and talk about, uh, you know, some some fun football things. Because, uh, yeah, as we've said, not a lot else going on in sports right now that don't revolve around the coronavirus. So uh, it was nice to talk some uh, some X's and O's and transactions and all that good stuff. So I was excited. We will see you all next week. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to Pod Like a Raven. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.